0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review, and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: We have spent an entire year in Wednesday night Bible study and the book of Corinthians, and so for one full year, I haven't preached from Corinthians, avoiding it for that purpose now that the study is over i'm going to do some preaching from corinthians and uh, we want to do that this morning from the first chapter beginning at verse 17 for christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words lest the cross of christ should be made of no effect Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let us pause for a moment of prayer. Our Father, we pray that you would take your word now and Planted deep within our hearts that we who are Christian would be stronger and those who are not saved would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. In the five-year plan that we are preparing, there are several subjects that are being dealt with by the committees and will be presented to the church ...in early December. One of those committees is evangelism. I preached on evangelism last week. One of them is the preaching committee, and that's what I'm doing this morning. One is the mission committee, and that's going to be the subject of tonight's message. And we'll have a few others on some of the other committees that are meeting. I'm not preaching to the committees. Uh, Don, I'm not preaching to you, since you're the chairman of the preaching committee but I want to use this as a theme uh, that we might as a church in each of the various subjects that we are studying come up with with, uh, an increased awareness or a broader vision of what the purpose of our church is and how we ought to be proclaiming God's word in, in our community. And so it's this general thrust we will be taking all of you have heard many children say when they reach that age of one and a half to two to three I can do it myself which means they have now grown up to the point that they're able to put on their dress or trousers or shoes or comb their hair or brush their teeth and do all of those things by themselves and they don't need mama and daddy helping them with this little episode. And that's good and we want to encourage them and we certainly ought to encourage our kids to do things by themselves in order that they might progress and grow. We all ought to be capable of doing things on our own. But... Follow this line of thought through the message this morning. This little statement that our innocent kids give is just the beginning of something that we in our lives do and I believe abuse. And that is that we have begun a love affair with human wisdom. We think that we are self-sufficient. That we can do all things on our own without any interference from God. That there is no need in our lives of our ever having to call upon Him or to depend upon Him in any way. We are self-sufficient. I can do that by myself. It follows that, therefore, that many people will not accept anything as truth unless they understand it. Now listen to what I want to say on on this subject. Pretty generally, a person will reject anything that he does not comprehend. There are some times, however, that that is not true. We all accept certain things in life that we cannot comprehend. There are not many of us that reject the power of electricity, but I suspect there are very few of us that could give a discourse on how it actually comes into being. And so we do, in fact, accept some things that we cannot comprehend. But when it comes to God, when it comes to religion, when it comes to salvation, we draw the line. Now we won't step across that line and accept something that we cannot comprehend. And so man begins to say, unless I can understand it, I can do it by myself and I'm not going to admit my ignorance by accepting this ridiculous thing of salvation just simply because I don't understand what it's all about. History reveals that man has been trying to come up with answers to life even since the Garden of Eden. Scientists are trying to tell us how life began And so we have the evolution story, how that all of us began from some little substance that was born in the mud along some ancient river like the Euphrates or the Tigris Rivers. And and, uh, that little bit of life, however it might have started, went one way into plant life, another way into animal life, another way into human life. We all evolved from the same thing. You can believe that if you want. But listen, those same people that try to tell us how we began haven't the slightest intent upon explaining where we are going, what our future is, what destiny is, what happens after life, because those answers must come from a comprehension of something that is beyond the mind of the brilliant scientist. It's found in the simplicities of things. We perhaps can accept it if we are accepting the simplicity of things and the simplicity of it is that God is and without God there is nothing and in God only is there absolute truth and awareness of beginning to end in all of its facets. Human wisdom is not supreme. Human wisdom is very inferior. But yet man will say what I cannot understand, I will not accept when it comes to God and what he has to say about this world. What do you do if you have a problem? Well, most of us, if we're normal, we'll try to find some person to whom we can go that we have some confidence in, that we feel maybe is has a little wisdom on the problems that we face, and we will discuss it. And that's good, because human counsel certainly has an important place to play. But psychologists, sociologists, psychiatrists have been trying Year after year after year to unravel the problems that man has and they're all failing. I say they're failing. Why? Because they haven't begun to deal with the real problem that a person has. The basic problem that anybody has is a spiritual problem. It isn't a moral problem. It isn't a social problem. It's not an intellectual problem. The basic problem of life is spiritual. The basic problem that any person has is his relationship to his Creator and then secondly his relationship to the Son of the Creator. When that problem has been resolved, Other problems may still be there but they have a different perspective and we can solve them in a different way. Don't expect to go to a psychologist who does not know Jesus Christ and get your answers for he won't have the basics. But the simplest, most ignorant Christian in this world has the answer. For he has come to know something that the brilliant minds of this world has never yet comprehended. That is, that God is supreme, and that he sent his son Jesus Christ to this world, that people might be saved. And the scripture that we have before us says that God has selected the foolish method, the foolishness of preaching to convict people. Now that is foolishness. Verse 17, Paul said that Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. But for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Now notice that. The preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ The preaching that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world is to the person who is not a Christian absolute foolish. And so it follows that that which we do from the church is foolish. That which you believe is foolish. Why are we here? It's foolish. To those who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God it's foolish when you look at it from their perspective let me throw this idea to you ask this question how is it possible that one man could die on a cross in a nondescript on a nondescript hill in an insignificant part of the world and yet control the destiny of every person ever born isn't that rather foolish but that's what we preach because that defies human understanding It defies comprehension. How that a poor son of a carpenter, a man conceived before his parents was married, grew up in a little town called Bethlehem that nobody ever heard of and nothing good ever came out of it, gathered a bunch of ignorant fishermen together, And said he was going to turn the world upside down with them. Got in trouble with the law. Was tried and executed. And that fact began a movement in this world that affects the eternity of every person ever born. I cannot understand that, can you? My mind isn't capable of comprehending how such an event would be considered so important by God that He has placed my life in jeopardy. And has said to me, "It is based, your future is based upon what you do with that one very insignificant event in history 1987 plus years ago when God says your future is in the balance based upon what you do with the person that hung upon that old rugged cross Paul was preaching the cross to the Greeks Back in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 17, he says this, or the scripture says this, Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics, notice who they were? Philosophers. Men of high intelligence. The brilliant people of the day, the scientists, the thinkers, the educators, the political leaders, those who were somebody, they encountered him and some said, what will this babbler say? That's what the world is saying to the church today when we preach the cross of Christ. What ridiculous things are they going to come up with next? What will this babbler say? He seems to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preaches unto them Jesus and the resurrection. In verse 32 it says, Some mocked, that means sneered, at what he was preaching, but others said, we'll listen to you another day on this matter. Human wisdom cannot possibly begin to understand what we're talking about. Look at verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That's a quote from Isaiah 29, 14. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Proverbs 14.12 says there is a way that seems right unto man but its end is the way of death listen to that the way that seems right to man is death he thinks he's right but he's wrong because his wisdom is so far inferior to that of God that he misconstrues what he thinks he knows. He has reverted back to his childhood when he opposes his parent and says, I can do it myself. I have enough intelligence to comprehend. And man is saying that to God and throwing it in his face today. That which I believe is the only thing important, man says, and God says that way seems right to man. But the end is destruction. Jeremiah 8, 9. The wise men are put to shame. They are dismayed and caught. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord, and what kind of wisdom do they have? They have rejected the word of the Lord. Who are the wise of this world? Those who realize that they're ignorant and believe in what God has proclaimed, even though with their mind they cannot comprehend. Those are the wise. Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolishness of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Yes, indeed, God has. Do you realize, I'm sure you do, there has never been a time in the history of this world that people have been better educated than today. Better educated. But that education has not brought us better morality. The more education we get, the less moral we are. We have better communication, but we don't understand each other any better. I'm amazed when I see the United Nations hooked up there to their earphones, and a person can be speaking in any language at the podium and they can hear through those earphones instantaneously in their own language. Yes, we can understand each other better as far as the words are concerned, but we have never learned to understand each other as far as our intent and our morals and our spiritual lives are concerned. There is more philosophy. People with loftier ideas, but listen, there's more crime and war. Has philosophy solved our problems? We have greater minds we have the same old problems that there always have been. What has man's wisdom brought to this world? Man's wisdom has brought us to the brink of world destruction. Man has the capability right today. The President of the United States can push one button and destroy this world. The Kremlin can do the same thing, push one button, and the world is destroyed, because the uh, atomic and hydrogen powers that exist in our world today are armed and trained. And one man on each side of this world, plus probably a few others strung around, like in China, perhaps France, and others, have the capability in the wisdom of man of using one finger and the world will be destroyed. That's man's wisdom. That's all man has done to this world. Human wisdom is not the solution. Human wisdom is the problem. Because that which we preach is nothing but foolishness. For after that, the wisdom of God, the world by the wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I know that I am foolish to stand in a pulpit year after year and preach the cross. Because there aren't many who will believe it, who are not already saved. That seems so foolish, but God has selected this method. And He has said by this method, by the foolishness of preaching, people will be saved. And therefore, my wisdom that says I'm foolish must yield to the wisdom of God when I must admit that God has selected a very, what seems to me, a very foolish process in order that people would come to know His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why we preach. That's why we preach. And preaching that does not hold up the cross of Christ is not going to be very effective preaching. Back in the book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5, we have the story of a man name of Naaman who was a leper. Syria one of his slaves, a little girl made the comment one day that she wished that her master Naaman would go back to Israel and talk to a, prop, a prophet with the name of Elisha who could cure him of his leprosy Naaman got the word and decided it was worth the try and he went back to, to Israel and he huddled up Elisha he went with fine gifts of clothing and various precious things to pay for, for his cleansing. The old prophet Elisha was told that Naaman and his tribe were outside. And Elisha told his servant, you just go out to Naaman and you tell him to go down to the Jordan River. And you, there you bathe, you dip yourself into the water seven times and your leprosy will be gone. Naaman got angry. He said, I thought at least a man would come out and lay his hands on me and say something over me. Why aren't the rivers back home much cleaner and better than this old muddy Jordan? Jordan should have been called Mud River because that's just what it looks like. Should I go out there in Mud River and put myself in that filthy mud seven times why how foolish this is one of, the, one of the servants that was with him said now look we've come a long way if the prophet had asked you to do something hard wouldn't you have done it Naaman had to admit yes if he'd asked me to do something hard I would have done it they said well then why don't you do the simple thing the foolish thing that he's asked you so into the river he went First time he looked himself over and he was still white with leprosy. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, he still had his leprosy. When he went in the seventh time and he came out and he was cleansed of his leprosy. The foolishness of God was wiser than the wisdom of men. If we would say to people of this world you can be saved if you will give a million dollars to the church, we would have people working their flesh to the bone in order to accumulate enough money to give it that they might buy their salvation. Because that seems wise. To do something hard seems like the thing that ought to be done to be saved. But God says it's the foolishness of God that is wiser than the wisdom of men. And he did nothing but offer a simple process. A simple process. But I can't understand it. No, neither can anyone else. Paul was in prison and they were singing and praying and the shackles fell off and the doors were flung open. And they could have escaped. And the jailer saw what had happened and was ready to kill himself. And Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And the jailer rushed into the the prison and fell down before the prisoner, Paul. And he said, what must I do to be saved? His question is, what great thing must I do? And Paul said something very simple. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But that's too simple. Maybe it is, but it's God's way. It's God's plan. That's the way God designed it. In verse 22, Paul says that the Jews require a sign. There are many people who say, I'll believe if I could see some marvelous thing take place, see a miracle that I knew was God's. Listen, folks, we're seeing God's miracles every day and we don't even know it. We won't recognize them. God performs miracles in our lives and we say that it's an accident. Or it would have happened anyway. We don't even know when God's working in our midst. You want a sign? Listen, there have been signs given. One of the, the, the great sign was the death of Jesus Christ and His resurrection out of the grave. That's the great sign of God's mercy. That's the great sign of His desire to save people. That's a historical fact, folks. That's not just somebody's imagination. Historically, it is proven in the scriptures undisputable in secular history, wherever you want to look. Jesus Christ did die on a cross. Historically, he did go to the grave and he did come out of the grave. You want a miracle? There it is. You're not going to believe that. He says in the Greeks... They seek after wisdom. They want to think it through. I've had many people like the Greeks who say to me, well, I would like to be saved, but I've got to think about it. What are they saying? I've got to apply my wisdom. I've got to put it through my process. And when it finally becomes a rational thought in my mind, and I know that that's what I ought to do, then I'll be saved. Listen, as long as you want to think yourself into the kingdom of God, you're never going to make it. Because man's mind wants to go in a different direction than God has designed. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. You want to be saved? Hear the preaching of the word of God and yield your life even though you don't understand it. scripture tells us that the cross is a stumbling block to the Jews in verse 23 right here before us. A stumbling block. I know you've heard this many times before, but I want to repeat it. Nobody, nobody goes to hell except they actually climb over the cross of Jesus Christ. Because that cross is over the door to hell in such a way that you cannot get into hell unless you absolutely abuse the cross of Christ. You can't make it. It is the preaching of the cross that is foolishness. Men will stumble over the cross. You cannot get around it. You can't skirt it. There's no sneaking by it. You've got to go over the cross of Christ if you want into hell. Every soul that is lost will climb over the cross to get in the depths of hell but you see the plan of God is simple Romans 10 9 and 10 says if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Very simple. I don't understand it. It's too simple for me to understand. But listen, I believe it. Because I know there is a God, and there is plenty of evidence that there is a Son of God who died on that cross, and it's the preaching of the cross and my believing in the Christ of the cross to save my soul. Thou wilt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart. That God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Shall we pray?